episode 105, Bill Oxier. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners. First up, let me give a shout out to LinkedIn. I found this guest on LinkedIn as we had some commonalities in the work that we do. And we had this great introductory conversation and I heard his passion for leadership, particularly a methodology called team stakeholder centered executive coaching. I'd never heard of it. Well, fast forward, here we are chatting it up on Gut Plus Science and breaking down the concept and key takeaways to give you guys some new ideas. I hope you like it. Bill Oxier, welcome to the show. We're going to shine a light on a leadership development model that is new to Gut Plus Science conversations for sure. We love learning new best practices for leadership development on this show, and you're a big fan of team stakeholder centered executive coaching. What is it, and how did you discover this model? You say I'm a big fan of team stakeholder centered executive coaching. What I'm a really big fan of is results. And so, team stakeholder centered coaching is just a tool that I use to get results when we're trying to improve leadership engagement and that sort of thing. And I discovered it when I was working on my doctorate, when I was in graduate school, I had the fortune to meet Marshall Goldsmith. And if you know Marshall Goldsmith, no introduction required, but if you don't know Marshall Goldsmith, if you just Google his name, Marshall Goldsmith, you'll find that he's considered to be one of the top thinkers on leadership in the world. He always gets ranked in the, there's some kind of rank. He's always in the top 50, that's for sure. But Marshall Goldsmith is a true expert on leadership. And he created Team Stakeholder-Centered Executive Coaching. And so I learned from, from him. I'm one of his disciples, if you will. So what I've done is taken his concept and applied it to healthcare leadership and Team stakeholder-centered coach, executive coaching is just that. It's where you're focused on your stakeholders uh, to become a more effective leader and you rely on them. It's all about identifying what your strengths are. It's identifying what opportunities for improvement are for you and then deciding if what you want to change about yourself. What behavior do you want to change by asking a simple question? What one thing, if I improved on, would make a big difference. Or if you're looking at it from the executive leadership team perspective, what one thing, if we improved on, would make a big difference. And uh, that's what team stakeholder-centered executive coaching is. And that's how I discovered it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you're a big fan of results. Um, Definitely would put myself in that category as well. So I want to kick off with having you share a success story or two illustrating results using team stakeholder-centered executive coaching, particularly in the healthcare industry, and just really illustrating what it looks like to engage those stakeholders. Absolutely. You know, uh, one hospital that I worked with uh, was in the Midwest in Indiana, actually, and they've been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, we all hear all these stories, uh, some of them good, some of them not so good about the trials and tribulations of dealing with a pandemic. And this was at this particular hospital, uh, I worked with a specific service team uh, on a service line there. And They followed up with me on their own uh, just a few weeks ago, telling me how much 
the work that we had done through the team stakeholder-centered coaching process, how that had helped them deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. Because as a result of the work that we did there, uh, their communication improved dramatically. Their trust in each other grew dramatically. We looked at uh, what they were doing, and I, you know, by answering that question, what one thing if we improved on would make a big difference. And for them, it was it was all around communication. It was making them uh, less efficient. They were creating silos within their own team. It was impacting patient quality delivery, pa- uh, patient care delivery, and everything. So, you know, we measure the results uh, when we work with our our clients and. So for this particular hospital, dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic made a huge difference for them. The team stakeholder-centered coaching process that they learned made a big difference. Another hospital that I worked with in Michigan, in fact, I'm still working with them. We've been working together for a few years now, and it all started working with the senior uh, executive leadership team there. And uh, there, our program, we call it the Engage Leadership and Everyday approach to interactive leadership. And for the executive team, you know, once again, they felt like they uh, needed to become better communicators. But one of their big picture objectives was improving employee engagement. So working with them, identifying uh, a goal, a team goal around communication, and then working on that with each of the senior leader ship member team members as well as a group each person created their own individual goal that created uh, contributed to the team goal and through that stakeholder centered coaching process we measured the results of their growth in their behavioral change and their growth in communication and then we also measured employee engagement after the fact and they too the director of hr just called me a month ago telling me that they'd just gotten out of uh, an executive leadership team meeting and they were talking about how they feel like they are really doing well dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And one of the reasons why was because we worked with Bill uh, doing the team coaching, uh, the executive stakeholder centered coaching. Uh, So, you know, that makes you feel good when your clients are calling you to tell you how in the worst of times, the work that you've done with them has made a big impact. Yeah. So awesome. Nothing feels uh, better than, you know, hearing how you're making that impact. So wonderful. I love the focus in the model. Like what's the one thing that we can do to improve or make a difference. Tell us about the path to getting a team aligned on one singular focus. It's always interesting because sometimes that's a, that's a simple process and other times it takes quite a while. I use a couple of different assessments to help in that process. I use a viral B assessment which is, uh, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever heard of that assessment? I am not familiar. Tell us about it. So the viral B assessment, I forget exactly what viral B stands for, but it was developed back in the 1950s when the Navy launched the uh, nuclear submarine fleet. Uh, It's interesting that the Navy, they were not worried about the technology of nuclear submarines. What they were worried about was having a bunch of young men in a close quarters for long periods of time and their ability to get along. So they had a psychiatrist put an assessment together, and that was the birth of the viral B assessment because it helps understand why and uh, you 
respond and interact with others in certain ways. So I figured if it was good enough for the nuclear submarine program, it's definitely good enough for healthcare leaders. So we use that uh, as a tool. And then we also used, a, it's not really a 360 uh, assessment, but it kind of is. I ask each leader to identify six to eight people whose opinions they value. And that is the key. They have to value their opinion. And so once they identify those people, then I go to those individuals and say, okay, if I were doing it for you, Nikki, I would say, what are Nikki's top three strengths? And once they shared your top three strengths with me, I asked them simply, what one thing, if Nikki improved on, would make a big difference? And so then I collect that data and put it together, and then I present it to uh, each individual uh, with the with it uh, being anonymous who contributed that information. And that helps identify uh, with people what, what they want to work on. Now they can accept that information and pick something from that because sometimes there's themes, sometimes there's overwhelming statements of the exact same thing, you know, so it makes you think, okay, I need to really think about this. Or, you know, you might, there might be something else that is more, you feel is more important to that. It's, it's your call on what you want to work on. But I had one instance where I had a, uh, <laughs> this guy, he's my poster child for stakeholder-centered coaching because he was telling me how he felt like the viral B results was like reading your horoscope in the newspaper, that it doesn't matter if you're a Scorpio or a Pisces, you know, you can make it fit. And basically he was telling me that he thought stakeholder-centered coaching was a bunch of crap. But then I shared with him uh, his uh, assessment from his colleagues, and he was uh, the wind was taken out of his sails, quite frankly, because uh, he was being pretty much a bully. If he didn't get his way, people didn't uh, weren't happy working with him. That guy did such a turnaround in this process to where that not only uh, do does he get a, well, along better with his colleagues, his personal life has changed as well. And we've become great friends because it's had made such an impact on him both personally and professionally. Yeah. We're going to come back in just a minute. I know we want to talk about the power of feedback in this model. We'll come right back to that, but what a great illustration there. So Bill, there are many executive coaching models out there and I've gathered a few differentiators on this model, like emphasizing the getting the stakeholders involved and then honing focus on one thing at a time being a unique part to this model. What are the other things that differentiate this coaching model from others? I'm not that familiar with other uh, coaching models, but the the things that I know that differentiate what I do from others is that the emphasis is placed on the stakeholders. I don't tell my clients, I don't go in and tell them what to do. I don't tell them how to do it. What I do is I go in and share a process and I share information with them and how they choose to use that is is totally up to them, but I, I do know for a fact, just like the story I just shared, if they embrace what I share with them, it makes a huge impact. The other thing that I do is I always measure results because there's, it's, I think that's important. That's just the way I grew up, if you will, in, in, in uh, the work environment. You got to measure results because if you're not measuring it, you're not managing it, so to speak. And so measuring results is, is another big piece of that. 
So feedback and feed forward are important leadership habits that make this model successful. Can you share a little bit more about that? There's three principles of the stakeholder-centered coaching. First of all, the first principle is the focus on the stakeholders. Because, uh, you know, the old saying, uh, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around, uh, do you hear anything, right? Well, if you have a goal of becoming a better listener, but no one tells you or no one acts like you're becoming a better listener, are you a better listener, even though you know you've worked on it? So it's important to know, you know, perception is reality, right? And so it's the perception of your stakeholders uh, that create the reality that we work in. Uh, The second principle is emphasize feed forward. Feedback is definitely important, but we want to emphasize feed forward. And the third principle of team stakeholder-centered executive coaching is you want to change your behavior and the perception that others have of that behavior in parallel. So the second principle, emphasizing feed forward. Feedback is critically important, but when you think about feedback, if I ask you, Nikki, hey, how did I do on your interview uh, today for your podcast? Well, I'm asking you about a historical event, right? It's already happened. I can't do anything different. So your feedback is important to me because I can learn from it, but I can't change anything. Whereas feed forward is a suggestion on how I can improve in the future. So if I said, hey, Nikki, you know, if I ask you for your uh, feedback on how I did, uh, if I ask you for feed forward would be the next time I'm on a podcast, what could I do that would clarify my message or make my presentation better? I'm asking you for a suggestion in the future. And so while we can't change the past, we can learn from the past, but we're all striving to perform better in the future. And that's why we want to emphasize feed forward because to a certain extent, we got to let go of the past. The past is behind us. We learn from it, yes, but we need to let go of the past then in that moment, live in the present, and then work towards the future. And that's what Feed Forward is all about. What a great practice. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I was thinking about when you ask someone a question and, you know, if you're asking a closed question, you're going to get a simple yes, no versus an, an open-ended to get people to elaborate and, and talk and to be able to have a conversation. It's very much similar to that where um, you're just, you're opening doors to be able to drive significant progress in results in the future. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So if you can go in a little bit more to this third point on changing your behaviors and then others' perceptions on that simultaneously, I think you said, can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean? Absolutely. So if, if I told you that I was wanted to become a better listener, because I think I need to be a better listener and I think it would make a big impact on our ability to work together, Nikki. Uh, so if I tell you, hey, Nikki, you know, my goal is to be a better listener and I wanted to share that with you. So occasionally I'd like to ask you for some feedback and feed forward, okay? And you are in agreement to that because I value your opinion, Nikki. So if I I can read all kinds of books, I can Google how to be a better listener, I can read all these articles, I can be doing all these tri- tricks and things in my brain to be a better listener. But if I never ask you if I'm being a better listener, how am I going to know if I'm being a better listener or not? Good point. Yeah. So if I'm always asking you, hey, so Nick, Nikki, uh, if I ask you for some feedback and you say, well, you know, you're doing okay, but that last question I asked you in the podcast, you really didn't answer it. 
correctly. <laughs> so you give me feedback. I can learn from that. Okay, well, what's, what do you suggest I do next time? So I'm constantly asking you for feedback and feed forward. So after a while, you're going to say, hey, I guess Bill's taking this seriously. Uh, he really does we go, want to become a better listener. And then when I implement an idea that you suggested to me, you're actually going to notice it because you suggested it to me. And, uh, and I told you, thank you. I appreciated that. And then I actually did it. So over time, because I'm always asking you for feedback and feed forward, not every day, you know, every couple of weeks or something like that. And when you ask for feedback and feed forward, what does it take? A couple of minutes of your time. So it's not time consuming. In fact, it's, it's very simple. Uh, you're going to notice whether I'm getting better or not. And so not only am I changing my behavior, you're noticing how my behavior is changing because we're always talking about it. And so that's how you can change behavior and the perception of that behavior simultaneously. Well, Bill, let's do a little like role-playing reflection here to see if we've got this. So in the realm of um, feedback and feed forward, what I'm hearing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, these two go together naturally. And the way that that I could ask this is if I was going to you to ask you for this feedback and feed forward after I had just presented to a team meeting and I said, hey, Bill, I'd love to hear your feedback on how I ran the meeting today. And at the same time, could you help me with one or two things that I could do better in the future for the, the meeting in two weeks? Yes. Very good. Okay, cool. Just trying to see if those like naturally just go together really in conversation each time. Cause I think, you know, many of us have a, a muscle that we build around asking for feedback and embracing feedback as leaders. And I think what you're saying is always tying in that results component of asking for, okay, and how can I enhance or get better? So really awesome. And then on your changing the behaviors and others perception. So would it look something like this where I'm having a a meeting with, you know, one of my mentors. And I said, um, you know, so I, I had shared with you about a month ago that I was going to be working on uh, reflecting at the end of the meeting so that we're prepared for our next meeting, just getting better at summarizing so that we're on point with our follow-up. And I just, I'd love to ask, like, how do you think that I'm doing on that? So you're, you're specifically talking about something that you had prior shared, I'm going to be working on this. And then you actually bring it up in reflection and ask them specifically how they feel that you're doing on that particular thing that you're working on. Am I hitting that one on the head? Yeah, that's certainly one way to do it. Here's, here's the one thing that I, I always emphasize too, though, is that you don't need a special meeting. You don't need to talk about this in meeting. In fact, one of the things I encourage my clients to do is uh, most hospitals have a safety huddle in the morning, right? So as you're leaving the room where you are having the safety huddle, you just side up with somebody shoulder to shoulder as you're walking down the hall. Well, of course, today you need six foot distancing and just ask them, hey, as you know, I'm working on being a better listener. How am I doing? Just that quick, that simple, because the what I, I, I don't want this to be time consuming. You can certainly, if you're already having a one-on-one -on -one meeting, with someone, you can certainly tie it into them, but I want it to be short and sweet because, you know, it's hard enough, even though this is very simple, it's difficult to get people to change and it's difficult for them to keep things top of mind uh, and all that. So the less time consuming this is, the better. And waiting for a meeting is, I, I discourage that. I encourage, you know, short little components. And I suggest too that either ask for one or the other, not both, unless the time is right. But 
Here's another rule that I haven't talked about, and this is probably one of the most important rules of all. When you ask someone for feedback, how am I doing is, is my, my go-to line on that. After someone tells you, you can only respond with two words, sometimes three words, but those two words are thank you, or you could include their, their name. Thank you, Nikki. The reason behind that is, have you ever, maybe you've done it yourself. I know I have. I hate to admit it, but I have. Has anyone ever asked you for feedback about something? You give them feedback and then they tell you why you're wrong? Yep. So does that encourage you to give that person more feedback? No. No, because they didn't really want feedback. Uh, They wanted you to agree with whatever they did. So if you're going to ask feedback and if you're going to build trust, and if you're going to encourage others to do this again, when you ask for feedback or when you ask for feed forward, after you listen to what they say, you don't interrupt them. You let them tell you what they're going to tell you. You can only respond with two or three words. Thank you or thank you, Nikki. That's it. Thank you for sharing that, Bill. (laughs) This show's uh, greatest purpose is to move the needle on employee engagement. And that's really how you and I started this conversation when we met. And then you mentioned employee engagement in one of your stories earlier. How do you believe team stakeholder-centered coaching impacts employee engagement directly? Well, you know, first of all, one of the things that I talk about quite often is that I think it's important to define what employee engagement, what leadership engagement is, because too often, I think uh, people get engagement uh, confused with happy, or they get engagement uh, confused with satisfied. You know, you can have happy employees, you can have satisfied employees, but if the hospital down the road offers some more money, they're gone. Uh, Whereas an engaged employee, an engaged leader has an emotional commitment to what they're doing. And I often compare it. In fact, when I do presentations, I have a a picture when my, our daughter became engaged to her now husband. Uh, He had hired a photographer to hide, you know, and capture the moment. Right. And, you know, when you think about it, when a couple gets engaged, usually you don't agree to, to marry someone because just because that person makes you happy or just because that person makes you satisfied. You're making an emotional commitment to that individual that you want to be, you want to live the rest of your life with them, right? And we have these traditions of engagement rings and announcements on Facebook or the the local newspaper, uh, or, you know, we make a big deal out of uh, when we make an emotional commitment to another person in our culture. And that should be part of our culture in healthcare as well that engagement, that emotional commitment to our employees, to our patients, to our community, to our hospital. And that is so important that we embrace that level of engagement. So now I got talking about engagement. I lost track of what your actual question was, Nikki. Yeah. um, So I was just uh, curious how you believe team stakeholder-centered coaching impacts employee engagement consistently? Like what are the practices inside the model that are consistently driving engagement scores higher? Thanks for getting me back on track. So, uh, you know, at the hospital in Michigan, one of the, one of their objectives was to improve employee engagement. And 
they've been going through some tough times. You know, uh, over the last five years, they had taken on a new electronic uh, medical records program that didn't go so well. They had a couple of key providers that left their facility. They actually had some layoffs and they do annual uh, employee engagement scores. They use a press Ganey survey for that and their employee engagement scores have gone down. They knew they needed to do something uh, to improve employee engagement. And that's where we started. We started with the executive leadership team uh, because engagement begins at the top. So not only did we measure their growth, not only did uh, the executive leadership team's growth in achieving their behavior, we also measured employee engagement because it was a, a lengthy engagement that we did there. And so their employee engagement scores actually went up. And that part of my fee was based on that because I always have a no growth, no fee guarantee. So in other words, whatever metrics we decide that we want to focus on, uh, whether it's a financial metric, a quality metric, an operational metric, measuring the results is how I get paid. If there are no results, I don't get paid. And so when I've signed a 12-year agreement with a facility, I don't get paid till the end of the 12th month uh, after it's been determined that those uh, metrics that we are aspired to in the beginning have been achieved. And it's through measurable growth. And so I know at this particular hospital, part of the employee engagement score was part of that, as were uh, some quality metrics. They wanted to decrease the number of ER visits by patients and increase primary care visits. That was accomplished. They had another quality objective that they achieved as well. So uh, it's all about measuring results, and it can be measured in, in any of what I call the four building blocks of healthcare, leadership, finance, quality, and uh, operations. So Bill, we're about out of time. I'm curious, going back to employee engagement for just a moment, what do you think has the most significant impact or what is the the heaviest driver, if you will, to emotional commitment at work? I would say two things, and they're interrelated, communication and trust. All right. So communication and trust. Yep. Those are, those are powerful. Let's have you elaborate really quick before we transition the show here. Let's start with best practices that you've found in communication. Yeah. You know, so the, the best practices uh, around communication are asking for feedback, asking for feed forward, and then saying, thank you. All right. Very simple concept, but it ain't easy. So when you want to build communication and build trust at the same time, when you ask for feedback, just like I said before, when, you know, if you've asked someone for feedback and then you give them feedback and then they tell you why you're wrong, that doesn't build trust. That's the opposite of building trust. That doesn't make you want to communicate with that person more. It makes you want to communicate with them less, particularly when it comes to feedback. When someone, if you're, if your CEO asks you for feedback, if your CEO asks you for feed forward, sometimes you might not have good news for him or her, and you might not want to share with that. But if you build trust, if the CEO tells you it's okay to give, be honest with me and give me honest feedback, that's what I want from you. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't be mean, but just give me good, honest feedback. Well, guess what? That builds trust. So through effective communication, you simultaneously 
build trust. And this process of asking for feedback, asking for feed forward, saying thank you, will do just that. It will provide greater communication, greater trust, and it will enable you to have those difficult conversations with people because it lets you practice those skills to where there's no such thing as a difficult conversation anymore. There's only opportunities for growth. Bill, thank you for your mentorship today and for introducing us to new a new model and new habits that drive results and for sharing those success stories. Really enjoyed it. Now it's time for our lightning round where we just get to learn a little bit more about the personal side of Bill. So Bill, here's the, the question that we always kick off with is uh, your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read, particularly for our leader listener audience? Well, I already told you I'm a, a Marshall Goldsmith disciple. So really anything that Marshall... Goldsmith writes, but uh, triggers, uh, what got you here won't get you there. But I'm also a Dan Pink lover. So anything that Dan Pink has ever written. And then how about a favorite hobby when you're not working? Being out on the water. I used to sail, be a sailor. Now I've I've betrayed my sailing friends and now I'm a power boater, but getting out on the water provides peace and tranquility. And then what about a favorite vacation spot? A favorite vacation spot is Mackinac Island. And then, Bill, um, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you after the show? And also, you're a podcaster yourself, so make sure to throw that out there, too. Okay, great. Yes, so my podcast is, uh, the name of it is Rural Health Leadership Radio. It's all about sharing best practices on leadership in rural health. And you can check it out at rhlradio.com. It is a 501c3 nonprofit, so it's an altruistic endeavor of mine. But if anybody would like to reach out to me, my email is simple. Well, it's as simple as spelling my name, which could be a challenge. Uh, It's bill at billoxier.com. That's bill at billoxier, B-I-L-L-A-U-X-I-E-R.com. And my website is billoxier.com as well. Thanks so much for your mentorship today. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thanks for being here. Enjoyed the conversation. Bill, thanks so much for sharing a favorite practice and a new leadership model for this show. Here's my truth you can act on from Bill Oxier, guys. Number one, focus on what one thing as a team we can do to improve and make a difference. What's the one thing? Number two, pivot feedback to feed forward to see how the small shift impacts big change. We learned all about the process from Bill today. Number three, change your behavior and watch how it impacts others' perceptions. And number four, insert the words thank you after feedback or feed forward and think about the power of a heartfelt thank you and intentionally add more of those thank yous this week. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.